Welcome to the SDA Housing Podcast, brought to you by NDIS Property Australia. Before starting this episode, we need to provide a general disclaimer. Information contained in this podcast is general in nature only. It does not take into account the objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. You need to consider your financial situation and needs before making any decisions based on the information in this podcast. And you should consider seeking independent and professional advice for your personal circumstances. All right, let's begin. Hello everybody, my name is Min and I'm your host for today from NDS Property Australia here in Brisbane and you're listening to the SDA Housing Podcast, a show that explains, highlights, guides and brings awareness about all things SDA in this ever-changing world of the NDIS. Today's topic is the housing market update as of June 2022. Joining with me here is our resident podcast speaker, Robert Maxwell from Melbourne. Say hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Min. Hi, everyone. Happy to be back again. It seems like every day, Groundhog Day with us, hey? We're always talking well, about it is lately, so, uh, but there's plenty to talk about. <laughs> so before we go into the technical data about the housing market around Australia, which is quite rare, we normally talk about SDA stuff all the time, but today will be more non-SDA discussion. I wanted to let everyone know that we recently rebranded our logo and our podcast name, and this was because we realised that um, since the beginning, two, three months ago, we didn't have a podcast name. We just called it Index Property Australia. But now we're calling it the um, SDA Housing Podcast, which is more unique than what we do. And after winging it for the last 40 episodes or 42 episodes, we thought we'd just give it more of a uh, specific approach, a more guest speakers, bigger names, bigger bigger contents. And we're here to help as many people of our listeners, uh, you know, learn more about what we do in the index sector in the SDA market. But today, uh, Rob, I hand it over to you. Let's talk about this housing market update. What's the, what's your fee, what's your opinion about this this presentation from Core Logic Australia that we have in front of us? Okay, yeah, it, it obviously doesn't tell us anything that we weren't expecting. Uh, with interest rates going up and and people concerned that they're probably going to go up further based on what the RBA has said. Obviously, the the housing market's cooled a little bit over the last six months, but you've got to remember it's coming off a high last year after COVID uh, in 2020. So, yes, the numbers have come down and um, house values have come down roughly, you know, 1% over the last month or two, but it is coming off a a high, so you've got to take that into account. Well, after having seen the last 12 months ending, you know, March or April, Everywhere in Australia getting 30% capital growth for the year. You could have thrown a dart anywhere on the, on Australia where you would have made 30%, wouldn't you? Yeah, correct. And what, what tends to happen in property markets when they both go up and down, they tend to be led by the big cities, Sydney and Melbourne, which is happening here again. Sydney and Melbourne have dropped probably 1% over the, the last month or two and, uh, in annual values and, uh, but not as bad in the, the other capital cities and the, the regional areas. What I found quite interesting, Rob, on page seven of this report yep. was the, um, the comment here saying, conditions have diversified with a sharper decline across Melbourne and Sydney, while growth in Perth and Darwin has recently re-accelerated. That was a very interesting uh, line there, considering that the market pullback is slowly happening everywhere, but 
these two areas of Perth and Darwin, isn't it? Yeah, well, Perth might be more related to local factors to do with the uh, commodity prices. But again, Darwin's, I think over the last five years or so, as as five to ten years has lagged a lot of the rest of Australia and actually went down. So they're, they're just reverting back to the, the average, I guess, and starting to come back up because they're, yeah, exactly. they're now good value. In the um, If you go to page 12 of this report, Rob, page 12 talks about the, um, the listing trend relative to previous years and the listing numbers there. And then you, you'll see that the, the listing, uh, listing listings per city in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane have been around about twenty to 25,000 per month in listings. Oh, sorry, in Melbourne and Sydney, sorry. Brisbane's been more of a, what is it? Six seven thousand per month, whereas Perth is only at how many? What is it, Rob? Is it uh, fifteen? Yeah, roughly fifteen thousand in Perth. So they're all down predominantly, uh, except for Hobart. You'll see the trend is actually going up for Hobart in recent listings over the last six months, mm. and also as you mentioned, Hobart, Darwin, Darwin and, Canberra and uh, Canberra's looking pretty yeah. strong as well. Mm. And Sydney and Melbourne have gone up. Maybe that's people guys. selling. So I think that's different reasons. Well, as we always knew with the whole COVID thing, Rob, um, the property market being so strong um, in Melbourne, well, in those cities, and particularly housing and not apartments, and people cashing out at the at the peak, so they're realising that they don't have to work from the from Sydney city or Melbourne city. They can work remotely. That's number one. They can cash out at the peak of the um, cattle growth and go relocate to another location in Australia and cash out. Um, we're definitely seeing a lot more um, people cashing out, moving out of um, Sydney, New South Wales into Queensland and also Victoria. So the, the migration population, which is not discussed in this report at all, is definitely a big impact as, as well, Rob. Yeah, and of course, Im- immigration pretty much stopped over the last two years, which Melbourne tends to uh, benefit from the most. So uh, that that will have dragged Melbourne's numbers down, but um, you've got to remember that's going to come back. Now that we've opened up again, I'm sure the uh, immigration numbers over the last, next 12 to 24 months will will improve, which will then filter through to the property market again. Is the international borders officially opened up big time to, as in floodgates, international travellers coming in yet, or is it still slowly trickling in, do you know? I think it depends on where. Um, it's pretty easy to travel to Southeast Asia now from Australia to and from. China's still a problem, I think, because, of course, they uh, recently re-locked yes, down, yeah. so there wouldn't be much Chinese travel going on. But I think India's probably um, opened up again compared to the last year or two, so things are on the improve. On page 14 of this report, Rob, uh, the regions, um, do you see that? Yep. Three month, twelve month, five year average there. So, what what strikes you in this in this, these numbers here? Anything interesting here? Uh, well, they're recording fewer sales, but as it says, the average is still higher than it has been over the last five years. Um, so, everything in this report is relative to the last year where everything boomed. So, even though most mm. trends are down, they're coming down from pretty much all-time highs over the last 10 years. So they're probably not as bad as, as they look going forward. Everything obviously has to uh, revert back to the mean and back to the average over time. And that's what that page is basically showing. 
the first column there, past three months, regional New South Wales and regional Queensland, definitely very strong there. So metro residents in New South in Sydney and in Brisbane would have been selling up and relocating out to um, regional, but then also affordability. Rob, a big thing in the last year or two years has been affordable housing. Um, definitely people really cutting and working remotely is more the key here. Um, and that's the, when we've seen a lot of um, market updates about regional Australia being very strong in the capital growth and, and the migration of people. It's definitely um, there as well to consider. Yeah, correct. We'll, we'll probably talk about the rental numbers later. They're, they're suggesting that things are improving yeah, in the yeah. capital cities as well, though. Mm. On page 28 here, we have the inner city rental markets. Page 28. Um, yeah, there you go. That's what we talked about. People were leaving the inner yeah. city because they didn't have to uh, go to the cities to work. Mm. They could work from home, moving remotely. Mm. Uh, but that's actually improved over the last 12 months or so. Strongly, according to these numbers, as you can see that certain areas of Melbourne and the Docklands, South Yarra, rentals have gone up between 20 and 30%. Uh, Even in Sydney, they're in the teens versus the previous 12 months uh, where they were down between 10 and 20% when people were leaving and uh, rental properties were vacant. So rental uh, rates have gone up significantly over the last 12 months, and vacancy rates have gone down significantly. Now, you might argue that is a, a partly a result of what we're going through with inflation, but that, that's the beauty of property in that it is an inflation hedge. And if inflation continues to uh, get out of hand worldwide, the likelihood is that property prices will actually absorb that and continue to go up, even though people might feel like the economy is, is struggling. Inflation is a very hot topic at the moment in the, in the economic world, in every part of the world at the moment. There's talk of a 7% prediction, 7% inflation for the quarter, December this year in 22. And God knows what the number's going to be next year in 2023. I mean, I, I don't see um, it going back to the norm for another year or a year and a half or so. Well, what's your opinion about inflation? and the impact of inflation towards rents and capital growth, if, if at all? Well, as we know, it's mainly supply-side inflation caused by the supply chain bottlenecks to do with uh, the pandemic, which has caused everything to go up. And we've discussed that in the past about the cost of building materials skyrocketing. Demand mm. uh, side which is driven by people spending, I think is not going up anywhere near as strong and is probably now going down. But hence why the RBA and why in the United States they're increasing interest rates because they're trying to get the uh, inflation rate down. And I think they will succeed over time. And it might happen quicker than people think. But, yeah, probably the next six to 12 months the uh, figures will be high. But I suspect that they'll actually start to come down. We're already seeing a little bit of relief in oil prices for petrol, uh, commodity prices and food starting to come back down again and we had that um, perfect storm with the war in the Ukraine where a lot of the foodstuffs and oil comes from as well so every, everything was pointing to explosion in prices which has happened but maybe hopefully we're at the peak of that and it's starting to come back down again. Rob can you please explain to the layman 
right? Why does, how does monetary and fiscal policy by the government and the RBA, Reserve Bank of Australia, increasing interest rates aggressively for the next six months or a year or so, how does that help curb inflation to the, the normal consumer and how and why? Well, if you think about, as we discussed on the demand side, people spend money. If you're increasing interest rates, people's mortgages are going up, which means it's costing them more money. So the average family, of course, is going to have to cut back on spending in other areas. And where do they tend to cut back? On discretionary spending. You know, if they um, go out and enjoy themselves, go out to restaurants, uh, entertainment, will drop. Even perhaps I'll stop driving their car as much so they won't be uh, using as much petrol. So that leads to demand going down, which in theory reduces the pressure on prices and causes prices to go down. Uh, it's not as simple as that, but a lot of it is driven by the oil price because that, that affects businesses as well. So if the oil price skyrockets, everyone's got less money to spend, which causes the uh, economy over time to slow down. That's why we've had talks of, in, particularly in America, why they're talking about there might be a recession. Uh, so when the RBA increases or decreases interest rates, they're just trying to pull a lever, like on a, you know, on a car brake. They're just trying to slow down the direction we're going in. So they're increasing interest rates to try and curb inflation and slow down the economy a little bit, but they don't want to go too far because then they'll cause a recession and people will start losing their jobs. So eventually, they'll get to a point where they stop increasing interest rates and they may start to look at reducing them again because they want people to uh, go out there and spend more money. So it's it's just a it's just so a Robert, tool they have to try and manipulate yep. the economy. Mm. Okay. If you jump to page 42 of this report, Rob, uh, the title is Under Those Scenarios, Mortgage Repayments Are Set to Rise. And in this graph here on page 42 shows you the current um, April variable rates compared to what the impact is, if it's going to be to a 2%, 2.5% cash rate, 3% cash rate increases, and the impact of a household expenditure on the mortgage payments if those rates go up. You know, And I think I read somewhere, I mentioned somewhere in the Fin Review about a month ago that its prediction is by June 2023, we'll see a, probably an increase of 2.5% uh, increase to the, um, the, the base rate That's or right. where the, uh, the RBA sees it. It's, yeah, it's gone up from 025 then 0. 0.5. That's 0.75% in interest rates in the last two months alone. So we could very, definitely see uh, it. At a cumulative of 2.5 or more by June or by middle of next year, couldn't we? Possible. We could, and that's only going back towards uh, long-term averages. What you do have to remember, though, is the average mortgage holder's got a bigger mortgage debt than they've had in the past, so rates don't need to go up by mm. as much as they have in the past in order to have the same net effect on people's spending. So a 2% increase mm. in interest rates when you've got a $500,000 mortgage is quite a lot of money. That's ten thousand dollars a year, whereas in the past the average mortgage size might have only been three hundred. So you had to go up four so or five percent a month extra. to get the same effect. Yeah. So it's a nine hundred bucks a month extra in costs per household then. Mm. Yeah, which has got to come from somewhere, which tends to be spending. Yeah. On discretionary items. Yep. Okay. 
So moving on, we have page 30, which is the gross rental yields fell to record lows during the pandemic, but are showing signs of levelling or rising in some cities here. Rental yields, that'll be a good discussion there. So page 30 there, rental yields. Yeah, and they're, they're going up. Our and podcast is all about yields, yeah. And that's because vacancy rates are probably as low as they've been in the last 20 years in most areas of Australia at the minute. And that, that mm. also would tie back into everything we've talked about with builders. There's less homes being built because of all the issues around builders at the minute. So eventually that's going to result in um, demand outstripping supply again. And then the, the cycle will start again. And then prices will start to increase. Yep. Page is the stretched, oh, sorry, page 32, stretched housing affordability is one of the factors contributing to a slowdown in some cities. The, the median house value in Sydney is 1.4, Canberra's 1.0 million, Melbourne's 992,000, Brisbane 885, Hobart 796. Wow, 796. That was the last podcast we had about the Hobart HPS package. 797, or 779, sorry, a little bit lower. Yeah, so definitely when you look at um, investing in any type of product or in this scenario, houses here, it's always good to look at the median price of that of that uh, region to see if you are uh, paying above or you've got a bargain or whatnot, yeah. Rob, any comments here about uh, units, median values versus the, the median house values at all on this page? Well, I'd say this trend is still up, as you can see. The short term, it's had a bit of a dip, but um, it goes back to what we were saying in the bigger cities, Sydney and Melbourne, that, that are the most expensive and people have got the, the biggest incomes. When there's a turn that reflects that quicker versus what we were discussing regarding Tasmania yesterday in that it's probably a slightly lower risk because the level of mortgage debt isn't as high because property values are a lot lower, mm. even though incomes are probably a little bit lower as well. But relatively, there's less stress in those smaller um, capital cities and, and regional areas. So in theory, mm. probably a little bit okay. less risk of um, a big negative in, in the house prices. So over to page 42 is the scenarios in which mortgage repayments are set to rise. With a different, um, no, we've already covered this pretty much already uh, 15 minutes ago. But it's interesting how um, the banks, the lenders, they, they have their own strategies to, uh, to, to create more flexibility or ease of borrowing versus making it harder for borrowers to borrow money on. So when people apply for mortgages, again, I'm not a mortgage broker, I don't claim to be, but my understanding is if you apply for a mortgage, then the the lenders, the the mortgage assessors, they will always add a buffer on interest rates. So even though the interest rate may be 4.0% at the moment, they will assess you based upon a 6.5% theoretical number. And if you can afford your lifestyle costs and your cost of living with that buffer in place, then obviously they will um, uh, pre- they will give you a loan approval because they, the last thing they want to do is give you a loan and you can't afford it in, in nine months' time when interest rates go up. So the, the lender is definitely a very more stricter now than before because of the, uh, the, the, the market prices fluctuating so wildly with capital growth the last year or so, but then also um, supply of funding from overseas, the wholesale funding, from other lenders to the Australian lenders, and then also the um, the checklist that the um, mortgage people have to go through to assess and approve mortgages in Australia. 
Do you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, correct. And obviously that fluctuates according to the mood at the time and they're, they're probably getting more conservative at the minute, whereas uh, 12 months ago they were relaxing those um, restrictions and, and bringing down that buffer that you discussed. It's gone up again now, but what we do know is that, particularly in Australia, property is the key to most people's wealth and uh, mm. to the economic prosperity of the company, the country. So the government and the RBA are well aware of that, and if there is any issues in the property market and it starts to go down, we all know that they will do everything possible to stimulate the market, whether it's through new uh, legislation or coming out with new grants, which they've done over the last 20 years, we, we can be sure that the government will do everything to maintain the uh, property boom that we've gone through in the last 30 years. Now, the next slide I'm looking at now is page 52, which is the banking sector forecast expects housing values to fall by 8 to 10% next year in 2023. Interestingly, we have CBA, ANZ, Westpac, and NAB, the four biggest lenders, the four biggest banks. And they're saying some pretty, um, yeah, 8 to 10% across the board there as an average. Yeah, it could be, could be the case. As we said, they went up 20, 15 to 20% 12 months ago, so it's all relative. Probably just means that it'll be back towards the, um, the figures that it was around the time of the, the pandemic first broke out in in uh, early 2020. But what it does probably highlight is what investors are going to be looking at going forward is they're going to be a lot more sensitive to uh, rental yields and cash flow positive investments and not just rely on capital growth as perhaps they have in the past because maybe it's not going to be there for the next year or two, which ties in and plays well into the investment in, into the SDA housing, as we know. Uh, my advice, or sorry, my suggestion, sorry. My suggestion is if you are an investor or a borrower who's looking to borrow money to buy a house, another, another house, sorry, upgrade your house, or to borrow to look at getting a mortgage to buy uh, an investment property, now's the time to do it while the interest rate is still low and not as high as they can be in, in six to 12 months' time, number one. Number two is while... Remember, this is next year's forecast pullback of 8 to 10%. So while your equity and your capital price of your property in Sydney and Melbourne is still strong, take advantage of the equity there and redraw it and have it there as a cash buffer to look at uh, a rainy day or even another property. So now's the time to get, now's the time to get your pre-approval done, not next year. It'll be uh, worse or off next year if you're applying in a downturn of a market from Sydney or Melbourne. The next slide we have, Rob, is uh, page number 53. It says, the RBA notes housing values could fall by 15% over two years if interest rate rates rise by two percentage points. Comments, Rob? No, well, they've obviously done the numbers and feel that could be uh, the result. I think probably they are going to put the interest rates up by at least 2%. Uh, that's probably at the, mm. the lower end. So we should probably expect some capital growth drop-off, as, as they're suggesting. Mm. Let me read this little um, snippet here. After nationwide house prices increased by 22% over 2021, the strongest annual growth rates in the la since the la late 1980s, 
the pace of housing price growth moderated in most markets in early 22. It is important that lenders and borrowers consider the potential for falls in housing prices, particularly for loans at high LVRs. Housing demand and the outlook for prices are uncertain due to a range of factors, including significant changes in population growth. Future increases in interest rates could also weigh on housing and other asset prices. Estimates using a model of the housing market that takes into account historical relationships between interest rates and both demand and supply factors suggest that a 200 basis point increase in interest rates from current levels would lower real prices, real housing prices by 15% over a two-year period. There you go. Unquote. So, yeah. Noting that is people have to be aware that so-called experts and even the RBA didn't get it right over the last two years with the increase in house prices. No one predicted that. Mm. So who's to say they're uh, they're going to be right that prices are going to decrease as well? We just don't really know. Mm. So if houses, this is the downturn scenario here, if housing, fe- housing values fell by 10% nationally, it would take values roughly back to July 21 levels. If market was down 20%, values would be at a similar level to January 21. So, yeah, go back two years. Yeah, which is not really a problem for anyone who's been in the market for a long time. It's only a problem for those who might have bought in the last 12 months. I think uh, we'll definitely see uh, a lot. I'm definitely seeing it already, Rob, a lot more investors who are coming, calling us, talking to us, talking to us about um, higher yield investment products like in the SDA products because a lot of the baby boomers who are the 55-year-olds, give or take five years, they're the ones who will want certainty in their retirement income and their, their wealth and capital growth, well, wild swings in capital growth of portfolios of property is a bit too um, risky for them and they're more after certainty in returns. And uh, as, as per what our, our podcast is all about, uh, the SDA sector being prop, index property in the, in the SDA sector provides a consistency in return for our investors yielding between eight, nine, 10, 11 percent yields as a net result. If they're considering NDIS as well. Yeah. And being linked to uh, CPI means that in a high inflation environment, the uh, rentals go up by a similar amount. So you, you've got a buffer there. Yeah. What we've been talking to our, our clients about recently, Rob, is inflation could be a it's, – it's, it's a double-edged sword. Inflation from a, um SDA property investor's perspective is also a positive thing because in the NDIS calculations for SDA income for investors, for property, uh, if there is a inflation amount of, again, 5.1% for the year, as an example – you will see roughly that amount in, as an increase in USDA income every year. What between again two point five to three percent as a as an average we, we expect. But given these uncertain times of twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, possible um, possible higher numbers of five six seven percent inflation numbers, and that works out well for investors who are in the SDA market. And then on top of that, in next year's July one twenty twenty three price review for SDA income. Um, the NDIA will be making a uh, adjustment to their calculations for SDA income to reflect the higher cost of build, building 
of dwellings and the higher cost of land. So, I mean, in my view, I think between now and July next year, the next 12 months, uh, we're going to see a 10 to 20%, I'm guessing 15 to 20%, myself personally, is my gut feeling, um, of a uplift in the current SDA incomes for HPS, FA, Robust, and IL. Do you, uh, what are your thoughts on my prediction, Rob? Oh, well, it makes sense, and uh, everything that we know, speaking to people in the industry, is suggesting that's going to be the case because they haven't really reviewed it since it was first implemented in 2016. As we know, mm. costs of build and the land have probably gone up at least 50% in that time. So it makes sense mm. that uh, the income levels have to reflect that. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we conclude, I'd like to... Uh Tell, remind our listeners to click to subscribe for notifications on our podcast, to share with others who you think could be interested in SDA, and to give us a positive Google review if you have the chance, as we're always open to improving our delivery of the only podcast in Australia dedicated to specialist disability accommodation, striving to publish two episodes every week on Tuesdays and Fridays at 7am. And also, if you have any topics that you would like our team to talk about on this podcast, please email Erin on Erin, E-R-Y-N, at participants.com.au. If you're a provider, a developer, a builder, or even a participant, please reach out to us as we would love to hear about your how you're going on your journey in the NDIS. For now, have an awesome day, a safe day, and we look forward to listening, you listening to our next podcast. All right. See you, guys. Thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure you are subscribed and following us so you can keep in the loop with all of our upcoming episodes. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a written review, and just share this podcast with those that could benefit. Until next time, catch you on the next episode. 